My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. And behold, a woman that was in the city, a sinner, when she knew that he sat at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, <clears throat> and standing behind at his feet, she began to wash his feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. This lady was identified very clearly as the, the sinner of the city. Sometimes the gospel is very clear on these things. It's a very graphic description of what's taking place. And she came in and she stood at his feet. Whenever feet are mentioned in the gospel, something very important is taking place. She knew that she could not get close to Jesus, couldn't get near the head, but she got near the feet. She who had long followed the path of vice was trying to follow in the footsteps marked by the holy feet of Christ. And she began to shed tears, which St. Augustine says are like the blood of the heart. And then she washed the feet of the Lord with the humble confession of her sins. And so this woman was full of contrition. This meditation is about contrition. Contrition, which is the desire to be better. <clears throat> it's not a feeling. It's a desire. And in our prayer, we can ask our Lord for the grace to have deeper desires of contrition. So that like this woman, we also come to have a very great awareness of how we have offended. Sorrow for sin is not sorrow for having broken the law. Very often when we break the law, we're not happy. We're not sorry, rather. We're very happy. We can be delighted if we get away with it. And so sorrow for sin is not sorrow for having broken the law, but rather sorrow for having hurt someone that we love. And this woman shows her sorrow in very concrete ways. We have to try and show our sorrow with our deeper desires to be better. It leads us to want to use the means, the means that God has given us to be better. First and foremost, a regular confession, exposure to the sacraments, a hunger for grace, particularly when we see our own weaknesses and our own nothingness. Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. And so from her depths of sorrow and repentance comes her faith. A faith that is the path that led her to that little piece of land at the feet of our Lord's feet, to the baptismal font. With the hope that the impossible could become a new life. And so this desire drives her to kneel before him. <clears throat> 
Our Lord knows what kind of woman is the one who is touching him. She's a sinner. Simon the Pharisee also knows she's a sinner. But unlike him, she touches for love. She touches him to hand him her sin. And the Pharisee who had invited him spoke within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know surely who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, and that she is a sinner. And so the Pharisee immediately places distance between himself and the sinner, full of comparisons, judgments, pride. He shows an exterior hospitality, but it's not a hospitality of the heart. She's the one who has the real hospitality, opens her heart to Christ. She knows her absolute unworthiness. Her sins are there, obvious in her hands. She has touched death, and now she touches life. And so the true hospitality is not the one offered by Simon, but the one given by this sinner, and therefore by each one of us. Our hospitality was a, a hospitality that was born of love. It's not an external behavioral fact, but a fact done by inner choices, dictated by love. Simon's words opened only formally and externally the door of his heart, of his heart to the Savior. While the tears of this sinful woman opened the door of her heart. The heart is something very important in our faith. Our religion is a religion of the heart. Come back to me with all your heart. Rend your heart and not your garments. Christ reads the heart. God reads the heart. And so we ask our Lord for a conversion of heart. Take out this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. And so there's a great comparison between the Pharisee, and we're all potential Pharisees, and this woman who comes to him with authentic contrition, authentic desires to change her life. The public life of this sinful woman, the sinner of the city, changed because she felt, she knelt at the feet of Jesus. She experiences forgiveness and also the peace in which to walk in the new life. And Jesus answering said to Simon, I have somewhat to, something to say to you. And he said, Master, say it. A certain creditor had two debtors, the one who owed him 500 pence and the other 50. And did not, not having wherewith to pay, he forgave them both. Which, therefore, of the two loves him most? Simon answering said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. And turning to the woman, very often in scripture, our Lord turns, 
turns to the woman with the issue of blood who's come to him with authentic faith. He turns away from the crowds and the multitudes, turns towards Peter, looked upon him with love, sought him out with his most loving glance in his lowest moments. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. He realized what he had done. He who had chosen, was chosen to be the rock, turns out to be rubble. And this is the great moment of conversion in Peter's life. From here he goes on to become a great saint and a great apostle. And so our authentic contrition can lead us to that authentic conversion, to desire to improve. The desire to be better. The Pharisee stops in the doorway of a true relationship of communion and remains imprisoned in the claim of the pretension of justice of a man who considers himself a good person. So easy to be a Pharisee, to judge, to compare. He believes himself to be without sin and so no tear follows his face. He judges, relying on the knowledge of, his, of, of the scriptures, guided only by his own criteria, those based on rules and commandments of men that have the pretension of correcting those of God. Simon had the gift of sitting at the table with him, but it's a formal presence with an attitude of superiority and sufficiency that makes him forget the elementary rules of welcoming. Our Lord was well brought up by Joseph and Mary. He missed these details. Do you see this woman? Our Lord said, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she with her tears has washed my feet and with her hair has wiped them. You gave me no kiss. But she, since she came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. Our Lord appreciates all these details. Details of the heart that are manifested externally. Pope St. John Paul II liked to say that we go to the great spiritual mysteries through physical signs and symbols. And so those physical signs of symbols become very important. Gestures, which behind them have deep attitudes of the heart, flowers on the altar, genuflections, holy water, concrete material things that express the deeper dispositions. My head with oil you did not anoint, but she with ointments has anointed my feet. Wherefore I say to you, many sins are forgiven her, because she has loved much. But to whom less is forgiven, he loveth less. He said to her, your sins are forgiven you. These are among the most powerful words that our Lord expresses in Scripture. Your sins are forgiven you. There's the underlining that the only real evil is sin. 
the world presents to us all sorts of things as evils. Lack of material things, unemployment, ill health, cancer, obesity. But none of these things are real evils the only, because the only thing that can keep us out of heaven is sin. And so we can ask our Lord to deepen our hatred for sin. And not just a hatred for mortal sin, but as we progress in our spiritual life, hopefully a hatred for venial sin, a refinement in our spiritual life. It leads us to have this refinement of Mary Magdalene, who performed all these gestures which meant so much to our Lord. They really reached his heart. A lady flew across the Atlantic in the early 60s. She wanted to go to confession to Padre Pio. She landed in Rome in early on a Sunday morning. <clears throat> went to her hotel. She felt tired and sleepy, so she decided she would lie down and take a nap, and she'd catch a late morning mass. There were no evening masses in those days. But when she fell asleep, she slept the sleep of the just, and she woke up at three o'clock in the afternoon, having missed mass. She knew she didn't commit a mortal sin because she didn't mean to miss mass. And the following day, she went to confession to Padre Pio and confessed her sins. And when she was finished, he said to her, is that everything? And she said, yes. He said, are you sure? She said, yes. He said, well, what about yesterday when you flew across the Atlantic and you landed in Rome and you went to a hotel and you lay down and you slept the sleep of the just and you woke up at three o'clock and you missed mass? You could read souls. He said, I know you didn't mean to miss mass, but your negligence hurt our Lord. And so the saints functioned in the area of negligence. Not just the mortal sins or the venial sins, <coughs> but the little areas of carelessness. When we go to confession each week, when we also can examine our conscience about our little negligences, the refinement of love is there. And so that effort to get back to confession regularly is in itself is in itself a, an expression of contrition. Irrespective of how I feel, I want to be better. I want to improve. And because I'm aware of my own nothingness, well, I need all the grace that I can get. And so I expose myself regularly to that Niagara Falls of grace, or that Victoria Falls that come in its abundance. Where there is weakness, well, there's an abundance of grace to lift us up onto a new level. And so we can ask our Lord for that grace to grow in our contrition. So that like the prodigal son, we can say, I am not worthy to be called your son. I've sinned against heaven and before you in all sorts of ways. I've wasted my time. I've wasted your graces. I've wasted my talents. 
treat me as one of your hired servants. He doesn't demand anything. He doesn't enter into a negotiation with his father. It's total humility. I'm not worthy of anything. And the father is so great, he reinstores him to his original dignity. Now, said Alvaro del Portillo like to tell the story of the guy who went to confession and he was told to go and get a, a glass and fill it with water to have his sins forgiven. And so he thought this a very easy penance and so he went to a top and he tried to fill the glass with water but it wouldn't fill. And then he went to a stream and he tried to fill it there but it wouldn't fill there either. And then he went to a a river and tried to fill it with the river but somehow the glass wouldn't fill and finally he went to the ocean but even there the glass still wouldn't fill and so he realized well it seems to be impossible for this glass to be filled and so he went back to the sands and he fell on the sands and he began to weep because he realized his sins could not be forgiven and as he wept his tears fell into the glass and the glass got filled got filled and so his sins were forgiven. Authentic contrition, authentic sorrow that is manifested in deeds. St. Augustine says it's not a question of weeping over our wretchedness, but of being willing to get up out of it. Being willing. And so Lord, strengthen my will. Give me a fortitude in the will desires to be better that lead me to use the means more to savor those means that we've been given to love them thank god for them to turn to them in all sorts of ways when a sheep falls into a mucky pond it gets up out of it the pig stays there and so love of self and complacency and our own excellence are often so great that even unconsciously we can make ourselves the center of the universe. That's what the Pharisee did. He was the judge. He knew everything. His pride blinds him. Another Pharisee who fasted on the appointed days, whose heart was so puffed up with pride that his prayer amounted to nothing more than praise of self and scorn for his neighbor. He didn't have a spirit of humility and contrition and therefore was not justified by God. Why, says St. Teresa of Avila, do we shrink from interior mortification of our ego, our will, our judgment? Since this is the means by which every other kind of mortification may become more meritorious and perfect and may be practiced with greater tranquility and ease. And so as long as our mortification does not strike at our pride, it remains at the halfway mark and never really reaches its goal. Contrition that is authentic leads to a purpose of amendment. I want to improve, I want to be better. I want to begin again. 
We live in the land of beginning again, of starting over. What pains our Lord most may often be our lack of sorrow. A sorrow of love for having offended that person that we love. The soldiers therefore came and they broke the legs of the first and of the other that was crucified with him. And after they were to come to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, <clears throat> they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear opened his side. And immediately there came out blood and water. And he that saw it has given testimony. And his testimony is true. He knows that what he said was true. And Pope Benedict comments, the beloved disciple present with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the other women in Calvary, was an eyewitness of the thrust of the spear which pierced Christ's side, so that blood and water came out. This gesture of an unknown Roman soldier destined to be lost in oblivion, was imprinted on the eyes and heart of the apostles who recounted it in his gospel. He says, in the course of the centuries, how many conversions have taken place, precisely thanks to the eloquent message of love that he receives who contemplates Jesus crucified. Therefore, we need to have our gaze fixed on that side of Christ. And a couple of years ago, Pope Benedict chose as a theme for Lent those words, they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. We've also pierced the side of Christ with our negligence and our carelessness, our lack of awareness of the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God, and so that can lead us to a deeper thanksgiving for all the graces that God gives to us, day by day, hour by hour, year by year. And ask him to lift us up onto a new plane. To lift us up like little children, to have a greater refinement. Refinement and sorrow of love. So that we follow this pathway of Mary Magdalene. Well, later on in the Gospel is going to win an Oscar on Easter Sunday morning. She can't sleep. There's a hole in her heart. John Paul II says, every person has a chasm in the human heart. And so that sense of loss of Christ leads her to get up early and go to the tomb. When everybody else is asleep, the story of the resurrection could start with St. Peter or Our Lady or some very important personality, but it starts with the, the sinner who learned how to love. She represents the whole of sinful humanity, represents each one of us. And so we're told in the way of the cross, so much wretchedness, so many offenses, mine, yours, those of all mankind. I, like all men, came into the world stained with the guilt of our first parents. And then my own sins, rebellions, thought about, desired, committed. To purify us of this rottenness, Jesus willed to humble himself and take on the form of a slave. 
becoming incarnate in the spotless womb of Our Lady, his mother, who is also your mother and mine. He spent 30 years in obscurity, working as any other man at Joseph's side. He preached, he worked miracles, and we repaid him with the cross. And in the forge we're told, although it pains us to admit it, and I ask God to increase that sorrow in us, you and I have our share in the death of Christ. For the sins of men were the hammer blows which stitched him to the cross with nails. And so Lord, help me to see. In one of his documents on memory and reconciliation, Pope St. John Paul said, acknowledging the weaknesses of the past is an act of honesty and courage. And so we too have to examine our past life and see the many reasons we have for starting over. Unless a man is born again of water and the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so acts of sorrow, of love sorrow, and of contrition can be frequently on our lips. Humble and contrite heart, O Lord, you will not spurn. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. Acknowledging our weakness so that our heart flies there. And we can show that contrition in concrete ways while with little sacrifices. All the occasions for physical or moral suffering permitted by divine providence. Sufferings that may accompany some illness or some fatigue. The efforts required by the performance of our duties, by a life of intense labor. The beginning again, the going back to our work and to little problems that may be waiting for us. The privations imposed by a a state of detachment. All these can be excellent physical penances, accepted wholeheartedly because that's what God wants. And so a great devotion on this particular day would be to make more frequent acts of contrition. Thanking God for the fact that we have the practice of a regular confession the greatest act of contrition. Do not be surprised. We're told that though the virtuous man falls seven times, he stands up again. In our spiritual battle, there will always be failures. But if we should immediately react to our mistakes, to error, making an act of contrition, which will come to our heart and our lips, as quickly as blood rushes to a wound, fighting successfully against the foreign body, the germ of infection. And so, Lord, help me to see in my life the many lacks of love, the little negligences, the need for more contrition and to start over, to have a stronger interior life full of that joy and peace. And from the words of St. Peter, we can gain a lot of, of serenity and peace. Lord, you know all things. 
you know that I love you. I may make many mistakes. I may put my foot in it from time to time. I may forget things. I may make a complete mess of things. But you know all things. You know that I love you. You know that I'm trying. You know that I want to try again. I want to start over. And so that act of contrition can be, well, a great moment in our life for a new beginning. And Our Lady stood beside the cross as though making up for the whole of humanity, co-redeeming, becoming the mediatrix of graces, standing there full of fortitude, as though inviting the whole of humanity to, to learn from her how to stand beside the cross, the little crosses that God may send us with a real act of love, sorrow with our deeds. And so we ask Our Lady that she might help us to grow in that spirit of contrition that we see in her heart at the foot of the cross. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. I am Athenic Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord. My guardian angel, I receive from